Hello, I'm RJ City, and you are listening to the Monster Cast. You're going to talk about Bela Lugosi. They're going to talk about Lon Chaney Jr. He'd be so sad, holding his hat, saying, Please, put me in this room and don't unlock the door. And you can't do any better than the Doll Brothers. Jack and Ryan, they're brothers, but they're also bros. Uh, what? Pardon? Wrestling. Well, who the hell wants to talk about wrestling? These are horror movies. It's a deep genre. It's a smart genre. Fantastic actors. Fantastic cinematography. Wrestling is just sweating and fireworks and bouncy ropes. There's nothing. So how do you talk about that every week? All right. Let's see them try. Take it away, you crazy dolls. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap Fightful here. You're watching the Monster Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people. Check them out. Jake and Brian. Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What what was that? Your name is Jack and Ryan? Shut up, Jack and Ryan. Wrestling podcast? How fucking original. I guess I just I mean. Here's your host of the Monster Cast, the Straight Edge Monster Jack and Ryan. Everybody, welcome to the Monster Cast review of NXT Stand and Deliver. Uh, we both did not do well on this one, guy. We both went three and four in predictions on this. Um, uh, but there was some, there was a couple of highlights from this uh, show. Overall, I gave this show a C minus, though. Overall, the show was after watching Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. So, so for those of you that don't know, Ryan got to watch Ring of Honor live, right? But I waited till Saturday so that I could watch it with my friends that were coming over for WrestleMania Night 1. So that instead of people coming over three nights in a row, they only had to come over Saturday and Sunday. So what we decided to do was stay offline. Don't have anything ruined for you. Come over at 9 in the morning on Saturday. From 9 to 12, we watch Ring of Honor. Then we watch Stand and Deliver, which started at 12 here. Uh, 12 uh, Central. Then it ran into the pre-show. Uh, where we took a little break, and then, of course, we watched Night 1 of WrestleMania. So, 9 a.m. till 12 fucking uh, a.m. 9 a.m. to 12 a.m., we were watching wrestling. A lot of wrestling. It was, it was fucking nuts. But, at least Ryan had a break in between. I did not. So, I watched Ring of Honor, and then had to watch this. And it was not good, compared, comparatively speaking. So you watch uh, it with other people, right? What did they think about the comparison? That's what I want to know first. Uh, well, we all were on the same wavelength. Let's just say that. Like, it was... I'm surprised we didn't fall asleep and use it as a rest period for night one, honestly. <laughs> that schism match wasn't holding your attention, huh? Anyway, um, I'm not even covering that match, actually, because that was technically on the pre-show. Mm, I true. do wish... I will say this. I do wish that they would have let The Rock's daughter do more because they made her look like she didn't know what the hell she was doing. And I know she's been training like a motherfucker. So I know she does knows more than what they let her do. It was so dumb. Like, you put her in, like, straight-up full wrestling gear, and then she did nothing. It was very annoying. Um, all right. So let's start off with the women's ladder match, right? That started off the show. 
Uh, it started a little rough, but I do believe that it found its stride and ended up being pretty decent, better than I initially expected it to. Uh, I hope Tiffany Stratton is okay, because she fucking landed on her back two different times. Why? Really bad. They, they're so... It's really? like they're allergic to catching people, bro. Really it's bad. Crazy. Twice. Once she landed on the ladder, and then the when she did the fucking, like, the swanton thing to the outside, and, and I'm like, there's four people out, three or four people out there, and no one caught her. Well, they, they tried to catch her like this, like, on their fucking arms, but, like, separate? Like, you're not gonna catch somebody like that. You have to catch them with your fucking bodies. What are y'all doing? That was Ryan's pick in the match, by the way. My pick, Gigi, who looked like she was gonna win, fucking gets taken out by fucking a returning JC Jane, who clearly is looks fairly healthy. And I'm sitting there like, unless she's about to pull this fucking title down, this makes no sense for that story, because why wouldn't you want to take it from her? Why wouldn't you want her to win the title and then take it from her? Because you want to deprive her of happiness altogether. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was so dumb. I didn't like that Listen. spot at all. Uh, more more so because I picked Gigi to win, and it looked like she was finally going to win. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, every time I saw Pink come on the screen, I was like, fuck yeah, there's my girl, right? And then there was one point in the match where it was Tiffany Stratton and Gigi, and I was like, she knocks Gigi off, and I'm like, fuck no. No, anybody but Tiffany Stratton. I'm getting fucking killed in predictions this weekend. I cannot <laughs> afford this fucking loss. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I was viewing pretty much this whole stand and deliver we show. Even that, we weren't even that far apart. I think I, uh, I no, got, not. I mean, no, but uh, and I actually was up one nothing because I picked Schism and you did not. Yeah. Um, I got I got one up on you on ROH. Oh no no, Chase you won. You picked Chase you. That's I why really I didn't want to go down O two, because gotcha. you you beat me by one on the Ring of Honor show. That's why. Undefeated so, baby. I was like, if I go down O two here too, and I'm three three in the hole already, I was like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. Um. But yeah, you've I, actually been doing better than me this this weekend overall. Hopefully night two changes that. I still have a chance our, to get um, back in there. Our predictions on this were so bad because there were so many multi-whatever-the-fuck matches. Yeah, it's that's like, part of it, for sure. Because, obviously, Indy Hartwell ended up winning and becoming the new women's champion. So Yeah, so we both lose. And then the North because American I said, title... I said, what I say on the show? I said, she's like their version of Liv Morgan. She always gets to that big moment, but then she loses. Well, they gave her her moment this time, so I wish I would have fucking picked her. <laughs> Damn it. And then, of course, when they added Roxanne back in, after the fact, after we already did the show, I was kind of considering, I was like, Dude, should I text him and be like, nah, I think Roxanne's going to win. It's like, nah, that's fucking stupid. Why I have a fucking multi-person ladder match on your quote-unquote biggest show or it's running side-by-side -side their biggest show and then you're going to have a the same champion after pretending that you were stripping her of the title to begin with. So the whole thing was convoluted as fuck. Yeah. I was not, a, I was not crazy about the setup for this match. I didn't think any of it really made sense. I mean, I do think that Tiffany and Gigi, the two picks that we made, were the were the spotlights of the match, though. I think they stood out the most out of everybody. If only people could fucking catch her. I, she might... I don't even know if she's injured or what. That one to the outside looked bad. She just straight up fucking smashed. She held her back in it, right away, too, so I was like, that's that can't be good. Um, not, not good when you're doing the offense for you to immediately sell the back. Um... Yeah, because so, you're not you're not bracing for anything because you're right. assuming that someone's going to catch you or slow you down, I should say. Also, not sure how I feel about the Dexter Loomis assist thing. I feel like too many of these women's ladder matches in WWE, they they fuck up by having some guy come in and help whether, you know, this goes all the way back to Carmella and fucking uh James Ellsworth, you know? Like it's they they have a consistent pattern of doing this and I don't think it ever plays well. I, I don't think having Dexter Loomis come in to help Indy get up the ladder does any favors for Indy. 
Like, I know that everybody popped really huge for it because they like to see Dexter Loomis and they like the Dexter indie storyline or whatever. But I feel like that pop would have just been just as big if she'd won it by herself and he came out after to celebrate with her. So it just uh, it takes away some of the win for me. I, I think know. that was more set up because of the way getting back together after the Gargano match. Mm, that's what I think maybe. it was. So when they all four came out and they, that's how they ended that match with all four of them uh, holding their arms up. I think that was because it was a prelude to that because it was like, oh shit, Dexter's there. Indy won. Then Gargano wins with Candice's help in that match because it was an unsanctioned match or whatever. And then when they all came out, it's like, oh, that makes sense. This is fucking badass. And it kind of closed the chapter on that. So I think I'll give it a pass on this time. Uh, I thought it was a really cool moment, honestly. Just because when they all split up, there was no finality to the story. So it was kind of like left open-ended. So I'm I'm cool with I'm cool with it in this case. Gallus winning was cool to me just because I'm really glad Joe Coffey's back. So Joe Coffey showed up. And that was cool as fuck. So Gallus, uh, Gallus won. I mean, we both picked the Creed brothers, obviously, but uh, I'm cool with Gallus winning, honestly. I still yeah. wish that Pretty Deadly was in the fucking match, but whatever. I thought. Yeah, they, they do the shit. They did the thing with him backstage. The yeah, but yeah, yeah this probably should have just been in the match. They were hilarious throughout the show backstage, though. I thought they did a much better job hosting Stand and Deliver than Miz did hosting WrestleMania because one, it was like eight hosts to WrestleMania. You said Miz was the host of WrestleMania. But yeah, you have Kevin Snoop Dogg doing the opening. Snoop, Snoop Dogg there. Yeah, yeah like, Miz wasn't even part of the pre-show. Well, how are you hosting it? It doesn't make any sense. He's um, hosting the main show. It's not a pre-show host. Anyway, five-way match for the uh, North American title was probably my match of the night. Dragunov actually saved it for me, not Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee did not shine like I thought he would or should. Um, mm. Wesley winning is okay with me, but... When Dragon Lee debuted and Dragunov showed out like he did, I felt like a little disappointed at the end with Wesley winning. Because um, we both picked Dragon Lee, obviously. I'm sure we're not the only ones that thought Dragon Lee was going to win his debut match. Um, kind of protected in a five-way, obviously. But the way Dragunov showed out, like head and shoulders above everyone else in that match. I was really hoping. By the-, by the end of it, I was actually going for Dragunov, even though I fucking picked Dragon Lee. I was like, dude, Ilya Dragunov's got to win this match. He's fucking killing everyone. It was fantastic. I don't like the I don't like the grabbing the referee's arm to stop the count spot. Come on, that was great. No, He's I just about to lose. I, it, if it's elimination, I understand, but no, that motherfucker's about no, no, to no, no, lose. No, no. I don't like it as a spot. It's no DQ. He can't get in trouble for it. It makes perfect sense. It's not about the DQ. If you'd let me fucking finish. The referee has two hands. He could just fucking slap his other hand down. He's literally laying on the other arm. There's no way he's going to just come and be like, oh, yeah, fuck you. No, you stop the count. If you stop the count, you have to restart the count. You can't just continue it. If he hasn't moved at all, you can definitely just count three. No, That's you have to restart the count, dude. You have to restart the count. Nah. So even if he used nah. his other hand, he'd still have to restart the count. One, two, no, three. So wouldn't. it doesn't matter. No, he yes, wouldn't. you do. No, he wouldn't. Yes, you do. So if a referee got his fucking arms handcuffed behind him by a heel... And he counts one, two, three with his mouth. It doesn't count. Nope. You're ridiculous. Because you have no way to let the uh, other opponent know. You're screaming one, two, three. It doesn't matter. You're screaming one, two, three regardless. You're still fucking hitting the mat. The yeah, rest is still you screaming scream, one, two, three. Pointless. If you scream three and the guy hasn't kicked out yet and it's at the same pace as your first two fucking slaps, I think that should. I don't think grabbing his arm is what matters. What matters is the guy's shoulders are on the mat for the duration of the count. Yeah, but you can't judge that because you didn't hit the mat, so it doesn't you matter. You can't judge that no, because you can't. it's terrible. You can't judge it. You absolutely can't. You can't, and it's, that's okay. a terrible so reason to not like the spot. Listen, 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 listen. If the if the count if the guy's pinned right, and his shoulders are flat on the fucking mat, and I go one, two, 
And my arm comes up and somebody grabs it and is holding me from doing it. And fucking 10 minutes pass and the guy's shoulders are still flat on the fucking mat. You're telling me I, I, I wouldn't have any way to know that it would have been a three count. That's ridiculous. Okay, so why can't I just fucking have another ref come out to the ring and be like, hey, this motherfucker tapped out while you were knocked out? Why can't he just fucking use his other arm? Answer my question. In Your a question match, is in a match where fucking Austin Theory fucking tapped out to John Cena when the ref wasn't there, why mm -hmm. can't another fucking ref then come in and say, hey, he tapped out, we all saw it? We're literally just talking about one official well, in you this can't though. you can't call this spot out and not call out other spots. That doesn't make any sense. I think that what you're suggesting is fine. I'm not arguing with that. What so I'm you're saying fine is, with that. You're okay with that. Yeah, if so, it's we not like they never have that before. spot again. What, the the visual tap out to the ref that doesn't see it because he's ref bumped? With, with 80,000 people that saw it, yeah. Yeah, I think that they have restarted matches for stuff like that before, and I'm fine when they do that, yeah. But then when they don't, that makes no sense. Logically speaking, that makes no sense. So why do you start it, restart it sometimes? We still see it every time. I agree that it's very inconsistent and it's not a very good spot because we all see it. So why do we I need agree. referees at all then? In your case, why do we need referees at all? Well, they do have to communicate something like from a practical reality. They do have to communicate. No, I understand. The I'm talking about KFA wise. Why do we not have robot fucking referees then? Why do we or not even referees at all in the ring? I'm completely fine with having a ringside ref. So your whole stuff. problem with this match is based off that we should not have referees ever again. I didn't say my whole problem with it. My problem with this match is I think that the ref arm grabbing spot is fucking stupid. Well, I don't. I think that's dumb as fuck to say that it's stupid when it's a no DQ match. I think instead of if grabbing his arm, he had punted him in the fucking head and knocked him out. I would have been a million times more okay with it. The problem he didn't is, have by time, he slid in there to try to fucking stop the count, though. I understand that. What I am saying is, what you are saying makes no sense. I understand it's a no DQ match. I understand he can't be DQ'd for grabbing the arm, but grabbing the arm does not stop a count. It did though. It, it does it stop his count. Because that's how the because he's not continuing to verbally count. It doesn't matter. He would have to restart the count, which goes back to my original point. But I will say that I agree with you on this part. It would have been a lot more entertaining if he would have stopped it with his hand and then turned it into like a fucking crossface or something, and then looking at fucking the other guy who's pinning him and be like, nah, he's not gonna fucking he's not gonna make the count because I've got the ref in a goddamn crossface. That would have been fucking hilarious and a lot more entertaining. But overall, no, I do not agree that the spot is fucking stupid. I think hitting the ref to stop the count is great. I think stopping their arm from touching the mat when they're still able to verbally count or tap with their other fucking hand doesn't make any sense. That's all. I think it makes perfect sense because one of my favorite spots of all time is the reverse version of that where Austin took fucking Shane McMahon's hand and did the fucking three count with it so that it could count when he was knocked out. I don't think that makes any sense either. But It's fucking great. I understand By the way, Shane wasn't saying one, two, three out loud either. Yeah, I know, because it really wouldn't have made sense for that spot, but it doesn't make, mean that Gargano this makes sense. Winning did, Gargano winning didn't surprise me at all in the unsanctioned match, even though I guess it's not really a win because it doesn't count. But he came out on top, I'll say that. How about that? With it being unsanctioned, it just didn't hurt. It just doesn't hurt Waller to lose, honestly. I mean, well, we both picked Gargano, I'm pretty sure, right? Gendo sticks and chairs and whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, Gargano needed a win on a bigger stage to get back into the swing of things on Raw after the dominant gloss, like we were mentioning on the prediction show. And the match was okay, but I wasn't invested in the story or the people involved, so that hurt it for me. So, like, I'm not a huge Gargano fan. I'm not a huge Waller fan. I'm a, I'm a bigger Candice LeRae fan than both of them combined. <laughs> right. Um, so, not a big, not yeah, the unsanctioned part was cool, and they had cool spots, and I do like that they, you know, he beat the shit out of Waller with the, with the objects and stuff. But overall, I just wasn't invested in the match because 
one, I didn't like the story, and two, the people involved do not captivate me in that way. But, it, I mean, it was a solid unsanctioned match. It just, overall, it wasn't for me. Not something I'm going to go back and watch. Next up, we had uh, my favorite part of the show. Actually, my Black favorite match? two matches, actually. My favorite two matches. Because I got them both right. And because I really wanted these titles to change hands on both occasions. I really wanted uh, Fire and Dawn to win these fucking tag titles so bad from Kiana and Fallon. Is because that just you not their tag Kiana team didn't make any yeah. fucking sense. I said it on the pre-show. They should have never been tag team champions. They didn't get along. It made no sense for them to beat the fucking longest reigning NXT women's tag team champions of all time in Caden Carter and Katana Chance. So you let them come out there with almost no experience as a tag team and arguing constantly. One's a heel, one's a face, and you have them beat the champions. Fucking dumb. So I've been waiting for this moment uh, pretty much every match that they've had, and they haven't had that many defenses with the titles in the first place, but it's still been super annoying to me on the, on the level that whoever they were going to go against, I was going to pick the other team just because I really wanted to see it. Fire and Dawn make a great tag team. I think it's a cool thing. Uh, I do believe that they both can carry on in the singles division if they if they wanted to, but the if we're talking about what WWE is lacking, <laughs> and you have a women's tag division, then we have to say that's the thing they're lacking in the most. So if they're going to keep these guys together, or these girls together, and they're going to bring them up to the main roster as a team and all that stuff, and actually start building a division, I am 100% for this tag team. Could be one of my favorite tag teams um, that they have. So I was fucking 100% happy with this all i can say is thank you to ever fucking book this and thank you for putting the titles on fire and dawn uh are you surprised they didn't do anything with that whole sebastian shit they've been talking about forever yeah i don't know what they're saving it for but i'm not surprised no hmm. okay. maybe they're still trying to figure out what the fuck it's actually supposed to be uh but then the we go to the main event continues yeah yeah exactly uh sister abigail we still hmm. don't know who that is um carmelo with the w it's really all I really wanted from this pay-per-view. <laughs> Honestly. Until the match happened. Are you mad it wasn't happened. clean? Huh? Are you mad it wasn't clean? Yeah, I'm about to get to that. But it's all I really wanted from the pay-per-view until the match happened, and then I felt like I wanted more. Almost mm. like something was missing. And them shaking hands afterwards, after you just got hit in the head with a fucking title belt to lose it, was dumb as fuck! Stupid. Damn. You know you got hit in the fucking head. You got the fucking Megatron sitting right there. They show the replay right in front of you. You're probably like, how the fuck did I just get knocked out randomly when I had this fucking dude down? So you watch the replay, and then you still go give him the title and shake his hand and raise his hand? Oh, can you make Braun Breaker look any dumber besides showing everybody that Rick Steiner is his dad? He's got a history of headaches, bro. What do you want to do? Um, Jesus Christ, that was so bad. What a, what a bad ending. Now, the match, I don't care if Trick got involved and Carmelo wins. He was technically the heel, even though everybody was cheering for him. Um, but just that, just the thing after the match. But there, it did feel like something was missing in the match overall, though, to me. It felt like it was a solid match, but it wasn't main event, uh, pay-per-view, NXT on fucking WrestleMania weekend good. It was solid, but it, it needed to be, it needed something more. I don't know what the fuck it needed. I don't know if it's story-wise or what, um... I mean, the star power was not there. Too, I wasn't too. I thought I was gonna. Be, I thought I was gonna like it more than I did. And then the ending I, after the match just made me really fucking annoyed, like very listen, aggravated. Braun's problem isn't with Carmelo. His problem is with Trick Williams. Okay. 
which would have made sense if he would have said something to Trick Williams. If yeah. he would have said, I'm going to kick your ass, or hey, your boy fucking got involved when he shouldn't have. Like, you're good, yeah. but like, or just attack him in general after he raises fucking Carmelo's hand. Something. No. Trick's standing right there in the ring the entire time while he's raising this other motherfucker's hands. Well, this is another case where I think if they had somebody come out and restart the match because there was cheating and also because Hayes clearly tapped out earlier in the match, it would have made sense and they could do a finish where then Hayes goes over clean-ish afterwards. So. Yeah, but there were so many fucking things that happened in this match that you could point to to restart the match. Um, nobody wants they to really just shouldn't have done it. Fucking restart uh, eight times. The real answer is just don't fucking do all this bullshit in a match where the guy isn't going to necessarily be hurt by losing one clean match to a guy that everybody really wants to see win. But it's, well, my issue with it is I don't have a problem with those finishes or those spots that you like you're talking about. What I have a problem with is Braun goes on a tear. You're building out Carmelo. And then when Carmelo gets the shot one-on-one, -on -one, you still fucking try to protect Braun when you don't need to. Braun's protected! Yeah. The motherfuckers have the title forever! He beat fucking everyone on your roster! Who are you protecting him from, from losing to Carmelo, who's been on just as hot as a streak? I don't understand it. That's my main issue when, when they do that shit. My problem with it is, if you look at it, you, you pull back from a little bit, look at a big picture, it's if... Carmelo Hayes had won this match 100% clean and they set up a rematch for the next pay-per-view. Are you positive that Braun Breaker would lose that too? And the answer nope. is always going to be no. Nope. You're not I wouldn't positive. Be. I wouldn't be positive. Because, because they've built him up enough to always make him credible. So exactly. When you pull it, out I would actually like been that, more I would have been uh I'd have been more you would have I, more that he's I, going I was, to win. Yeah. I would have been yeah. I would have been more confused in my pick on a prediction show. I'll put it that way. Because in this one, I I 100% thought Carmelo was going to win. All right? I was like, dude, it's he's had it. He, Braun's had this fucking title forever. People are turning on him. It makes no sense for him to still have it, right? Just go ahead and give it to Carmelo. Yeah. But, it, yes, if they if they fall on the next NXT in your house or whatever the fuck they want to call it, right? Battleground or whatever the hell they got going on. If they were if that was the same main event and this happened and Carmelo won clean, fucking 100%. I don't know who the fuck's winning. I think that is something that bookers kind of fail at sometimes when they start booking these weird fucking finishes to protect people. They don't think about it from the fan perspective or even from a booking perspective of, okay, let me step back from this a little bit. If I were to book this clean, could I put this guy in the same match a month from now at another pay-per-view and people wouldn't know who's going to win? Because Are we you're giving never... too much value to this whole protecting thing anyway? Yeah, it's kind of dumb. I mean, the, the idea of it like, should be besides, that... And even in the NWA territory days, the only thing you're protecting is the baby face when the world champion is having the big match with them in the territory that's not on like a fucking Starcade or some shit like that, right? Yeah. Everything else, it's straight up. You're not protecting a tag team. You're not protecting the uh, the IWA Mid-South uh, West Region fucking champion, right? You're not protecting those people. When it's for the big stuff, yes. But we already know how WWE views NXT. So why are you trying to protect Braun when when he comes up to the main roster, it's going to be a completely fucking thing and they're going to act like NXT never existed. So what Here's are you protecting the, him from? The really dumb thing about this too and, and the way that I, I wish more people would look at it is you wouldn't need to protect people from losses if you normalized losses. One of the things that I think AEW did really well early on and I, the biggest example I can think of this is when... Um, Pack stepped in to have the match with Kenny Omega. I forget who the original match was supposed to be against even now, but 
Kenny Omega had a match. Pack had to, uh, somebody had to pull out. Pack comes in as his replacement, and everybody's like, "Oh, Pack's coming in as a replacement." So obviously, Pack's gonna lose. He's the fucking replacement. And that's not what happened at all. Pack fucking beat Kenny Omega in that match, and that was one of the things where I was like, "Fuck!" Like neither one of them come out worse for that. You can tell the story that Kenny Omega um, wasn't as prepared for Pack because it was last minute replacement or whatever. But you don't need to protect him from a loss. If you build up enough guys as credible threats at any time, you can tell the story that these are like 60-40, 50-50 matchups, even 70-30 to an extent, where somebody winning doesn't hurt the other guy because the expectation is that's been so normalized that this can happen, and it doesn't make me think that guy is a fucking loser. Yeah, just so everybody knows, it was Moxley that he replaced because Moxley had an elbow the, injury. Yeah, yeah, the elbow. Actually, wasn't it staff in his elbow? It wasn't even like yeah, an MSRA. Injury, right? In yeah. the elbow, so that, yeah. he had a he had to pull out or whatever, and then Pat came in and everybody was like, "Yeah, that's cool and all, but now Omega's gonna win, and we all know it because they're gonna set up for the Moxley match, and then Pat mm. ends up beating them, and everybody's like, what the fuck? That's a fucking crazy match! Isn't that the one where he pulled up the canvas and did the Phoenix Splash on the goddamn, uh, or the Black Arrow on the wood yeah, of the ring? Sure. Goddamn, sure. that was a sick match. I should go back and watch that. Um, but yeah, I mean, stuff like that, it, it goes over really well. And I think even AEW's kind of lost sight of doing that lately, too. They're too scared to have people yeah, lose. Uh, they've been they've been trying to, quote-unquote, protect a little bit too much, I think, as well. Um, I mean, it's, I guess it's because of modern wrestling, I guess it's kind of something that you can easily fall into when you're booking. But you really got to start, like... I think I think what else helped uh, AEW is because they kept track of the records and stuff, and they don't do that mm. anymore. And the rankings, or I mean, they keep track of the records, but not really the ranking system anymore. Yeah. And I think the actual the ranking system helped them not uh, book 50-50 as much. And I hate 50-50 booking so much. I agree because I think when if John Moxley comes out and his record shows up underneath it and his ranking shows up underneath it, whether it says fifty-one and four or fifty-one and zero, oh, you're pretty much gonna feel the same fucking way about it. Yeah, and then not only that, it's like if you're looking at other people in their top five and you're like, you're, if you're concerned about 50-50 booking and don't have a ranking system, everybody's got the same record, right? But if you're yeah. looking at John Moxley as number one in the ranking system, let's say he's not the champion, right? And he's number one on the ranking. He's, like you said, 50, 51 and four. You have to have four other fucking people that up there that he's not blowing away. Yeah. So that it makes sense. why. So that's three, three or four other people that you have to make sure they're getting dubs. They got to beat somebody. Right, I mean, because you got to make too. compelling TV too in the process. Let's say you even have Miro take like four or five losses for whatever reason over the course of like a year, and you put those records up in a Miro versus John Moxley match, and it says John Moxley's fifty-one and four, Miro fucking twenty-one and five. You're looking at those, and you're like, "Fuck, either one of these guys could win," and that's super lost in the way that they do stuff now. I, I hate it. Yeah, I really wish they would bring back uh, the ranking system anyway, because I thought it was. I thought it was very well done. Like, I don't understand why they stopped. I guess maybe too too many injuries and they just kind of... I thought they were going to bring it back at the beginning of this year. And they didn't. And I was like, ah, that sucks. I mean, I like that they still have the records and shit, but I really wish they would bring the rankings back. I thought that was... I think that was pretty cool. The and thing, they, they, let, they, they did it for a lot longer than WCW ever did it, too, every time they tried to fucking do it. Yeah. WCW tried it multiple times and it just never lasted more than a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think... Part of where that mentality for me comes from is uh, I was playing like Super Punch-Out as a kid. And when you're playing Super Punch-Out and you're going up through the circuits, um, you've got the the four different circuits in the game, you know, the minor, the major, the whatever, and then special, I think, was the last, it's been so long. But um, when you get up against like the second guy in the fucking final circuit and his record shows like seven losses or whatever, 
you still know that guy's gonna fucking hurt you. It's not like you think less of him because he's got seven losses. And then when you have the guy, you know, Rick Bruiser and Nick Bruiser or whatever, one of them's undefeated and one of them has one loss or whatever the fuck that it was, um, it's like he, you could tell he's a bigger deal than the guy below him, but if you put them against each other, you don't know who will win, and that's that's really lost when they drop the record thing. I think it's just that super punch-out mentality. Glass Joe is always gonna be fucking Glass Joe. Gabby J is always gonna be G Gabby J. But yeah, you have to have the you have to have the Brandon Cutlers and the Fuego del Souls. Agreed. But yeah. you also have to have the five five the ten people at the top that have really good fucking records. And you can't be fucking fifty fifty booking. You have to have them all fucking have really good records. Yeah. So when they go against each other in that top five ranking, it's a big deal, and you don't know who the fuck's gonna win. And when one of them loses, you're not like, oh, that guy sucks now. Yeah, there's a reason why there was a. The best time in the Attitude Era was when there was nine different people that could win the title at any time. Oh. You had the Triple H, The Rock, Austin, Kurt Angle, Kane, Undertaker, Mankind. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody anybody could fucking win the title at any moment, no matter what the fuck the main event of the pay-per-view was. And that's one of the reasons why. Because you had them, none of them were getting 50, they might even get 50-50 booking against each other, but they sure the fuck weren't getting 50-50 booking against the rest of the card that you're trying to look strong because he has potential. Like, no one cares, dude. And no one gives a fuck about Braun Breaker being protected in NXT. Makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, um, right. it, it, I, I, think, uh, I think sometimes about the Mankind versus uh, HBK match. And it's like, the way that they booked that match, I don't think they were concerned about either one of them coming out of that looking worse for losing. Yeah, there's, I, I there's... completely agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, because in that case, Mankind going to get his shit in anyway. Mm-hmm. So he's still gonna look like a million dollars. He's still gonna do crazy shit that no one else does. Shawn Michaels still gonna be the fucking best bell to bell guy at the time for your company, easily. So yeah. it was, it was one of those things where like, yeah, you went into it and like, man, maybe man Mankind might fucking win this. And then it gets to the point where, damn, no, Shawn Michaels won, and but Mankind still was looked at as a big deal on Raw the next fucking week because, yeah, he just went toe to toe with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he took the loss. But if if Mankind goes against the fucking Undertaker on Raw, we still don't know if Mankind's going to fucking beat the... Or if Undertaker's really just going to beat Mankind. Mankind still has a shot. Too much, too much protecting in the booking and not enough just booking them strong in the match itself so that they maintain that credibility afterward. That's the issue. And I, right. you know what? To, to be fair to AEW, I think a really good example where they did this recently was the Hangman and Moxley stuff. So. Yeah, back and forth, back and forth. But then Hangman gets the upper hand twice in a row. Clearly still, wins. Yeah, clearly and, wins. And at no point now are you like, oh, Moxley's a fucking chump because he lost twice in a row. It's just like, okay, people can lose sometimes. It's quick. He's yeah. still a threat. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have... Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in the way that NXT is booking that main event for Carmelo going forward because of the way that it ended. Because yeah. now it's kind of like... Oh. Fuck, are they just gonna give Braun back the shit because they're gonna ban Trick from ringside or some shit and now Carmelo can't beat him and I'm like, Jesus Christ, but you gave him his you gave him his little token fucking title win or whatever, and that's how you view it instead of actually pushing him like he should be pushed. Uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm the most concerned about going forward with, with that story. But hopefully that's not what they do. But yeah, I didn't like I did not like the end of that at all. Um one protecting Braun by having Carmelo win in a bullshit fashion, and then two, Braun fucking shaking that dude's hand after he just got beat in a bullshit fashion, making you look stupid. Like, like what? I didn't like either one of those. So, 
So I got to go to C- minus overall for the show. Happy with some of the outcomes, but just not happy at how he got there. It's, I guess, my, my main thing. Yeah. Um, I really thought I really thought Dragon Lee was going to shine more, too. I'm really kind of upset about that. You know what I was saying on the prediction show that I thought Axiom was going to be outshined by Dragon Lee and then Axiom would take the take the back seat? Axiom did really fucking good, and Dragon Lee didn't really do much of anything, honestly. So yeah, I, was, I, I, was, wonder... I mean, I was kind of happy for Axiom, but I really want to see... I got a bad feeling about how the fuck, fucking they're going to book Dragon Lee, dude. Really, dude. Not just in NXT, either. All of it. I wonder how much of that is them telling him to kind of chill out on this until they can give him a bigger spotlight, or how much of it is just like they don't really trust him to be in that spotlight spot that's, I mean, yet. That's fine, I don't know, but like if you, people are already going to watch the show, so just don't add in Dragon Lee then. Wait. Yeah, I agree. People are going to watch it. It's fucking WrestleMania weekend. They're going to watch it. No one's been like, oh man, I wasn't going to watch the show, but damn, they added Dragon Lee into the Fatal Five Way match, so I got to watch it now. No. So yeah, that's whatever. But C minus for me. Uh, was the one down show of the weekend so far. Um, got a lot to go, but it's, it's whatever. But let us know what you thought of the show in the comments below. Doses!